This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. It is 5.08. You're listening to the Evening Edition with Sharmila and Sharad. First up this hour, we're recording an average of 15 data breach cases every week, which is an all-time high. So, um, according to the Personal Data Protection Department, up till June this year, they've actually received 130 uh, reports of cases of data breach. Um, and that's a four times, uh, that's a fourfold increase from only 30 cases being recorded for the whole whole of 2022. So needless to say, quite a cause for concern. And what the uh, department also highlighted is that most of these cases consist of ransomware attacks. So, you know, I, I guess it's the paradox of becoming more digitally savvy and it's something that government and I think just uh, generally in the kind of zeitgeist, everybody is to be online, con- uh, continually online and savvy with all these uh, different platforms that connect you to the world. And, but the downside of it, uh, there are many downsides, but one of the downsides is that you become too comfortable. You might be complacent in the way you deal with uh, personal data and that there are people out there who know how to use the little that you give them uh, to maximum advantage. Yeah, so and you're absolutely right, right? It's not that long ago, uh, I mean, I would say even maybe 10 or 15 years ago, when going online, using the internet, um, using digital technology was something most people reserve for work. But now you actually use it for practically every aspect of your life, whether it's entertainment, whether it's banking, whether it's communicating with people, whether it's, I don't know, um, I've said this before, for some reason I seem to have a vendetta against supermarket apps, but whether it's to do your grocery shopping. Um, and so many of these require your personal data to be put in to some capacity. So I do think that because of that, what it means is that there are so many um, people for whom this isn't something that comes naturally, but they need to navigate these spaces. And it can be quite confusing. And, and maybe it's not surprising either that according to the uh, personal data protection department. Uh, he, uh, so the, the, the director general, uh, Professor Dr. Mohammad Nazri Kamma, told the NST that um, many of these cases uh, could be attributed to human factors. So things like accidentally disclosing private information, having weak passwords, um, their devices being stolen, for instance. And he also talked about things like uh, old security, unupdated software, and so on. So there are a number of things going on here. Uh, We will be speaking very shortly with Dr. Selva Kumar Manikam, who is an associate professor from USM who specializes in cybersecurity. But we do want to hear from you as well. How do you decide when to share your data online? You can call 7732 900, send us a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899. Tweet us at BFM Radio. Be free, Malaysians. BFM 89.9, The Business Station. It is 5.13. You're listening to the Evening Edition with Sharmila and Sharad. We're talking about... Um, 
we're talking about data breaches essentially because just in the uh, last year we are seeing record numbers of personal data breaches here in Malaysia so we've been asking you how do you decide when to share your data online you can call 77332900 send us a voice note or whatsapp 0187898899 tweet us at bfm radio joining us now on the line is dr selvakumar manikam associate professor from usm specializing in cybersecurity. Selva, good to have you with us. Uh, thank you for having me. So according to the um, article that we referred to, compared to the mm-hmm. whole of last year, data breach cases are up by four times, uh, even just from June this year. So first off, why do you think this number has risen so fast? Well, uh, uh, I think it's pretty straightforward uh, uh, because... As we progress over the years, uh, we have been relying on more and more uh, on online services, digital services. In fact, uh, when we talk about the, the Malaysian government, we are talking about digitali- digitalization of uh, uh, the economy, the country, and so on. So, uh, as there's sugar, there'll be more ants. There were less sugar last year. There were less ants, and there's much more sugar this year. And you see more ants. When I say ants, the cyber criminals. So, uh, this is going to grow over the years as we go online more and more. And this is not going to stop uh, in the near future. Uh, so, Dr. Selva, we also understand that uh, this year we had a record number of ransomware attacks. Could you help us understand how ransomware attacks are a consequence of data breaches? Okay. Um, the, the fact is uh, ransomware was not meant for stealing data or cause data breaches. There typically uh, is a type of malware that kind of encrypts your, the victim's data and demands ransom uh, to provide uh, the key to decrypt your data. Uh, so uh, that was the main purpose uh, of ransomware. But the fact once ransomware is in your uh, system or, or your machine, uh, that means uh, the, crim- the criminal who created the ransomware has full access to your computer or your laptop or even your uh, smartphone. So uh, the ransomware could encrypt your data, could also steal uh, data from your device, can also cause a data breach by opening backdoors uh, for other criminals to steal data. So ransomware uh, actually does more than just encrypting uh, data. And apart from ransomware, what else uh, could have caused this increase in the number of data breaches this year? Um, most commonly, uh, most of the data breach uh, is due to the fact that systems were not uh, designed properly, uh, leaving uh, a lot of uh, backdoors, what we call a vulnerability or weakness in the design uh, of the system. And this causes uh, to two things, either to a data leak or data breach. So maybe I can clarify what's the difference between data leak and data breach. Uh, data leak is where uh, a, crim- a cyber criminal uh, that actually finds a loophole in the system, and through this loophole, they actually uh, steal the data. Data breach, on the other hand, is there is there is no weakness found, but they actually break into the system and and steal the data. So you can say that the data leak is you leaving the door open, uh, allowing criminals to just walk in and take in take your data. Where data breach is where you have a lock on your door, and the criminal breaks the lock and goes in and steals the data. So that, that and most of uh, uh, the incidents that we have seen in recent time is caused by data leak rather than data breach. 
Now, can I ask you, just for a clarification, when we talk about yeah. uh, these issues, are we talking about things that are happening at an individual level? Are you talking about systems like, you know, like a telco or such? Uh, it can be both. It could be at individual level. It could be uh, at uh, an organizational level. It happens at both levels. If you do not have firewall, for instance, on your computer, then it is easy for any criminal to just walk in and take your data. Mm. Now, one of the reasons cited by the Personal Data Protection Department was human factors. Could you talk yes. to us about some of the common behaviours that Malaysians engage in that leave them vulnerable to data leaks or data breaches? Uh, well, uh, human factor seems to be one of the biggest uh, issue when it comes to protecting or securing systems uh, because, uh, you know, there, there are cases where uh, there is lack of awareness among uh, uh, Malaysians. Uh, although this is a global phenomenon, global issue, but seems to be more uh, common in, uh, among Malaysians. Uh, um, some of the behaviors that we have seen is that we are easily victimized by uh, the cyber criminals. We fall victims to a phishing attack. If somebody sends an email, we do not check whether it's legitimate or is it from someone trustable. We just go ahead and click and, you know, just offer whatever information that is provided. And uh, in addition to that, uh, we also share too much information online. And if you go to social media, there's a lot of information that is being shared uh, by Malaysians. And this is easily used by uh, attackers to, uh, to it provides attackers with valuable information. It can carry out targeted attacks, carry out identity theft. And uh, at an organizational level, it is more damaging because uh, this kind of information allows uh, attackers or criminals to, to guess passwords, to guess login credentials and get into systems and steal information. Yeah, if I could just sort of carry on with the question of, you know, responsibilities inside of corporates, right? I mean, we talked about telcos and such. Are they doing enough? Are they spending the money to make sure that their systems are secure? Uh, well, uh, my personal opinion, they're not doing much. Uh, there's not uh, enough being done to ensure uh, the proper security and privacy mechanism put into whatever system they're deploying. Because most of the time, uh, when you talk about uh, services, online services, the first thing they want to do is get the system out there. And uh, part of getting the system out there, so they spent time building it, testing it, uh, and ensuring it working well and so on. And that's all where they stop. They, they will deploy uh, and, and get users to use it. But they do not invest or, uh, invest or spend enough time in ensuring whether the system is secure, whether the data is, is secure, because the, the cost uh, when it comes to cybersecurity auditing, cybersecurity certification is very expensive and, 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 and also time-consuming. So that's probably a reason why uh, our companies do not do this. And uh, this has led to a lot of data breaches, not just in Malaysia, all over the world. So ideally speaking, then, what measures should be implemented by companies to better protect the personal data of their customers? Uh, well, as I mentioned, that... Uh, uh, cybersecurity requirement for their system should not be an option. It should be a compulsory requirement that they must invest uh, in the right tool, the right technology. Uh, they must 
uh, do this at least once a year. Uh, and, and they should bring uh, uh, experts, or what we call whitehead, to do penetration testing from time to time. And, uh, and uh, this has to be done uh, continuously. So this is something they have to do. Mm, it should not be an option. So, Selva, we talked about the consumer, we talked about uh, corporates and companies, but what about the government? What are the challenges faced by the government in securing the public's uh, personal data and preventing more breaches from happening? Well, uh, I think uh, the government is doing their part, but uh, I believe that it has to be fortified. Uh, There seems to be... uh, They should spend... uh, come up with policies to ensure that uh, there is effort to study, to evaluate, to test, to certify the cybersecurity readiness of uh, all systems, whether it's a government, public or private system, that deals with personal data. And uh, recently, uh, the government also mentioned that uh, there's a move towards electronic medical record uh, in the coming years. So this is going to be very, very critical because it goes beyond personal data. We're talking about medical records of uh, all Malaysians. So uh, the government has to put down, put their feet down and, and ensure that uh, stringent policies are put in place and uh, uh, more uh, punishment that is much severe is imposed uh, on those that causes uh, systems to be leaked or, or breached. So um, I did want to bring up something that has uh, been in the headlines lately, which is AI, of course. Um, It's been gaining popularity. Lots of people are now experimenting with various um, time-saving tools and all offered by things like ChatGPT. Um, How do you think this comes in? uh, How does this relate to the question of uh, privacy, of data leaks and so on? What do people need to be aware of? Okay, uh, AI can be uh, is a uh, double-edged sword. It, it is actually uh, will have positive impact when it comes to data security because AI will significantly improve the way threats are detected. It will be able to uh, identify uh, vulnerability or or loopholes in a system much faster than a than a human can do. Right. In addition to that, it can also provide. Uh, preventive measures by being able to predict uh, potential uh, threat or potential uh, vulnerability that the system has. It can also automate a certain uh, ability to patch uh, any uh, weaknesses found in, a, found in a system. But of course, as you said, uh, it is also going to have a lot of negative impact on data security. Uh, so we are talking about AI-powered attack that can be used uh, by cyber criminals to carry out more potent, more powerful analysis of systems, find more vulnerabilities, more uh, exploits that they can steal data and use it for malicious purpose. Uh, Of course, AI-enhanced social engineering. We are talking about deep fakes, right? We we have uh, videos that is crafted by uh, cyber criminals can be used to to, uh, steal data, steal personal data, and so on. So these are some of the issues uh, AI will bring to, to when we talk about data, uh, privacy, data security, and data breaches. But only time will tell uh, what is the impact on a- of AI on uh, data breaches cases. Um, Selva, we have a question from a listener, Azami, uh, who's yeah. asking, how do we protect mm-hmm. ourselves from the IT service providers themselves? We are at their mercy. Is this a cause for concern? 
Okay, good question. Uh, I've been asked this question many times. Uh, it comes to the point or the question of trust. You need the service. You trust that your service provider have done the due diligence, have done the necessary, uh, have taken the necessary step to, to secure the system, to put the necessary privacy mechanism. Uh, so at the end of the day, you trust the reputation of the service provider. Whether they have done uh, the, right, the necessary, uh, act, have taken the necessary action or taken the necessary steps, it is something difficult to, to, to judge. It is difficult for any service provider to say that their system is 100% secure. Uh, but if they can show that they have done uh, the, at least some action of ensuring uh, cybersecurity and privacy mechanism, so that is something that we can start with. Now, Selva, you already mentioned this, the question of increasing punishments. Uh, the Communications yep. Digital Minister has already announced that uh, the Personal Data Protection Act will be increased mm -hmm. uh, in terms of fines and penalties. But is it a question now uh, that government is only playing catch-up, really, with what's happening in the world? Does the Act anticipate technological advancements? How can it do so in order that it's kind of like ahead of the game? Okay. Uh, PDPA was... Uh, created in 2010, I believe. And uh, technology changes or advances at neck, uh, neck break speed. So uh, whatever uh, law and act that deals with technology has to be updated as frequently as possible. And, uh, and as far as PDP is concerned, it's being reviewed and we uh, are eagerly waiting and what are the changes uh, uh, enhancement or improvement that are going to be made to the Act. Selva, thanks for speaking with us today. No problem. Thank you. That was Dr. Selva Kumar Manikam, Associate Professor from USM, who specializes in cybersecurity. Uh, we have been talking about the record number of data breach cases that have been reported in the first half of this year. And we've been asking you, how do you decide when to share your data online? You can call 777 send us a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899, tweet us at BFM radio, we do have a message from Yam who says, as a cybersecurity professional myself, this is the message we always uh, advise our employees. Stay paranoid. How much information do we, do we voluntarily turn over to websites, mobile apps, online services, free samples, free trials every day? Remember that no is always an option, though it sometimes means foregoing convenience for privacy. One good example is instead of providing your actual address to Waze, you can put the shopping mall near your near you as your home. I didn't even think of the fact that you put your address on GPS apps, actually. Yeah, but you do. Okay, that's for e-hailing services like I do. Well, I mean, why for direction apps, uh, you put your address so that every day you can click on it easily to head home. Yeah, so, okay, so, Yem, I know you're being, you're erring on the side of caution, and yes, stay paranoid is a wonderful slogan if you want to live in a world where you're terrified by everything. Uh, so, yeah, where, where is the line for you? I know, and I? It, that's exactly my point. I, I think Yem's advice is good advice, to be honest. Um, but yes, where is that line for you is perhaps where, because for me, the convenience of having the home clickable on the app perhaps is worth 
the small worry that someone may find out where I'm not sure yeah, you, actually you, you're not worried about stalkers Yam's just making me question everything now to be honest I think I need the break to figure out where I stand on this um, um, but <laughs> we're going to one now yes we are but do keep your thoughts coming um, how do you decide when to share your data online and actually where is that line for you between privacy and convenience you can call double seven double three two nine hundred, send us a voice note or whatsapp zero one eight seven eight nine double eight double nine. tweet us at BFM Radio Buggy Free Minum, BFM 89.9, The Business Station. It is 5.39. You're listening to the Evening Edition with Sharmila and Sharad. We've been talking about a fourfold increase in the number of our data breaches uh, just in the last year. Uh, and so we've been asking you, how do you decide when to share your data online? What's that line for you between convenience and privacy? You can call double seven double three two nine hundred, send us a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899. Tweet us at BFM radio. We have um, a number of thoughts that have come in. Let's start with a voice note. This is from Roberto. If we are going to really do not want to share any single piece of information or data that is stored in our device, then I think that we better go back to the cave time. Because right now in this era, there's no way that unless we don't possess a smartphone that we are not sharing something that could be leaked somehow. Worst case, imagine Apple Pay with all the cards, all our ways to do payments. All our money is there. I don't know. It's kind of tricky. Just like you, like we were deciding now, it's like, where do we draw the line? How much do we share, voluntarily speaking? Roberto, um, thank you for that. And, you know, that's actually exactly the point, isn't it? It's quite difficult to decide where to draw that line, especially when... um, so many of the services that we use or the activities that we engage in actually incentivize, I'm not saying deliberately, but incentivize us moving on to these digital platforms. Um, things like paying virtually, things like using your devices to gain entry into places or to make payments. These are hugely convenient um, inventions. That's when it gets complicated, I think. Yeah, and Roberto, I think you're being a bit melodramatic. I don't know about you know going back to you know the times of the caveman, as it were. Uh, but I, I get your point. I mean, it's like an inevitability. There are people, of course, who um, who have decided, and I have friends who are like this. You know, decide a long time ago they'll never give their birthdays out, or they will put, in fact, fake birthdays on Facebook or whatever, uh, and uh, they try to share as little as possible. Right. So they've worked out a system in, for themselves where the, they give the minimum to uh, receive those services, uh, perhaps less inclined to believe that a free service is a free service because we know that many free services are paid for in other, other ways yeah. um, and, um, and that we might not be, in fact, you know, attracted to if they were spelt out, you know, explicitly. But nevertheless, I think we all have to draw those lines for ourselves between convenience and uh, privacy as was 
noted by one Anderson. While taking, I think, the precautions that most tech experts would advise you do, you know, um, make sure you change your passwords frequently, make sure it's a sufficiently complex one, don't um, share your information online in easily accessible spaces, don't open attachments, you know, all the things that has been drilled into us. I think those things are important to do. Um, that said, earlier, um, Yam talked about uh, GPSs and how you putting how putting in your address may not be the safest. So we have actually uh, two opposing opinions on it. Um, Mohan saying, staying paranoid is not the best advice to give others. We are not POTUS for our ways to be hacked into and tailed for whatever reason. But Azami says, I did that. I registered a hotel near my house as my home address. Yeah, so there you have uh, you know different sense of what the where the bar is uh, or what the bar is and or where the lines are. And I think for Mohan, it's a very high bar. It's like we are so unimportant. But you know, Mohan, I, I I wonder about that. You know, because what is it that somebody wants? In fact, in in, in very sophisticated scams, you you might not be the sole target. You might be one of millions of targets. Somebody might take very little from you, but on an aggregate level they get a lot, right? So uh, the question is, uh, the type of scam uh, might actually define where the level of risk is. Yes, and, and it is true that by and large the average person isn't of huge consequence when it comes to these huge data mining sort of operations, right? Because that's actually used for um, very specific and sophisticated sort of crimes. But I do think, though, that when we're talking about people being able to gain access to your uh, financial, um, financial behavior or even private information or data that you don't necessarily want others to be able to access, I think different people might feel very differently about what they're okay with and not. So um, we have Dylan saying, that's why I have four handphone numbers, one for proper family and friends, one for work, and the remaining one for randoms. Get a cheap prepaid line, which I reload every three months. So uh, I'm guessing, Dylan, the randoms are like what when you sign up for some sort of service? Yeah, I would assume so, right? Um, or perhaps even giving out, I, I'm just guessing, Dylan, you can get back in touch to correct me, uh, perhaps giving out to people that you don't actually know on a personal level, salespeople and so on. Yeah. And I think a lot of, you know, a lot of the marketing strategies uh, that are out there, especially ones that have free gifts, are going to ask you for some basic information. The question now is, what's basic? I, I used to think that what can they possibly do with my name? Or, or well, do you remember how common it was for people just with a clipboard standing anywhere to ask for your IC number, for instance? And then now we have cases of IC numbers being breached and leaked. And uh, how much things have changed? Because back then, you know, I remember writing down my IC number to win a lucky draw at a mall, for instance. I wonder, though, you know, on the flip side, that because everything is, um, is sort of all these transactions are recorded, that if, say, for instance, you know, uh, you are a victim of fraud that involves your credit card, that in fact, the, the banks and the financial system uh, does protect you because it can check to see whether you, in fact, are the source of that purchase uh, and so on and so forth. That, that in fact, on, the system is, yes, it's complicated. It, it makes us vulnerable. At the same time, they might have protections. I'm not an expert, so I don't know how to uh, weigh those two dimensions of the, of the systems that exist out there. 
Just to close off, a more personal experience from Zul saying, my mother has been targeted a number of times and I really worry about her. She does a lot of online business and shares a lot of things on social media to run her business. One time she shared her phone number online. This led to a lot of scam calls over the next few weeks. Sometimes we need to reveal things online for business purposes, like who to contact for more details. How can we make a living if we can't even safely secure our details? Yes, of course, we try not to share very personal info, but what about phone numbers and emails? You know, Zul, I totally understand because when I see certain um, online vendors or, you know, home businesses and they've put down even addresses sometimes on open pages uh, or phone numbers, I hope to myself that these numbers are, as Dylan said earlier, perhaps a, a phone or a number specifically reserved for business because otherwise I feel like there's so much opportunity there for misuse. Yeah, I wonder if there is a generational thing as well. As you know, as maybe younger people, as the digital natives, as we call them, will in fact have all these um, sort of default settings that protect them mm. against scams and so on. You know, they, uh, you know, to be catfished or what? All these possible uh, elements in 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 the in the social space. Whereas my generation that transited from a very different system, you know. With, with some residual trust that, you know, something that comes to you via email is, in fact, uh, authoritative or real. Uh, maybe we are the ones more likely to be vulnerable to these kinds of scams. Oh, we had a conversation once, Shira, didn't we, about how you and I have very different um, ideas of what's OK in terms of passing your contact to someone. And I generally fell on the side of, well, you should check with me first whether that's OK. And you thought, well, in a professional context, that's maybe not necessary. And I think even that alone um, kind of illustrates how for some people, something like putting your phone number somewhere is a really big deal. And for others, they're like, yeah, but how else would they reach you? Yeah, I mean, I'm uh, fairly promiscuous about my phone number. <laughs> I mean, part is because I'm a journalist, right? Mm. And I, I do, I, I, as much as I want access to people, I guess it's only fair that I also give them access to myself. And so uh, th that has become a kind of default setting for me. But you're right. I mean, there their risks involved. So keep your thoughts coming. How do you decide when to share your data online? What's your line between privacy and convenience? You can call double seven double three two nine hundred, send us a voice note or WhatsApp zero one eight seven eight nine double eight double nine. Tweet us at BFM Radio. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.